Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Good to see you this morning. God is so good. Let's just praise Him right now. Father, we love you, Jesus. God, we appreciate you, Lord. Hallelujah. We lift you up, God, and we magnify you. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, and then we're also going to read another verse in Colossians chapter 2. Romans chapter 6 and Colossians chapter 2. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Colossians 2.12 says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Both of these scriptures uh, have the same common wording. We're buried with him. One said by baptism, the other one said in baptism. Amen. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, being buried with him. Praise God. Buried with him. Amen. Now, the term uh, gospel, you know, we, we hear about the, the word gospel. And uh, sometimes it gets, like in a lot of Bible words, it gets watered down and used for other things. But, you know, uh, it's more than just an old saying, you know, like uh, when you're trying to really emphasize the truth with somebody. Hey, man, it's the gospel truth. You know, like there's, there's like non-Christian people who say, hey, that's the gospel truth. So the gospel is more than a saying like that, and it's more than a type of music. Gospel music is a type of music. But the, the, the gospel is really the plan of salvation. So when you hear about the gospel in the Bible, it only appears in the New Testament. It's actually the plan of salvation, of how, how does one person go from not being ready to meet God to being ready to meet God. That's kind of what the plan of salvation is. Gets us in right standing with God. And uh, the gospel is the only saving message God has given to us to prepare us to be ready to make heaven our home. And it's made up of three different parts. Death, burial, and resurrection. That's the gospel. And the word gospel literally means good news. uh, If you translate it in the Greek or whatever. But but it is... uh, the good news is, it's more than just good news for good news sake. The good news is that God became a man who died for us, who was buried for us, and then he rose again for us. And that's the gospel. And, and the gospel is what, what's to be preached, and we're, we share it with people. Um, and so death, burial, and resurrection, in a spiritual sense, is what we need to do in our lives to be ready to go. Let's read what Paul has to say about it. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. 
Okay, so the gospel is actually more commonly referred to as the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's really all about him. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. So the good news is about, it's all about Jesus. So as Paul said in this, uh, this passage, the gospel is something to declare. It's something to preach. It's something that, some pe- that people should receive. And it's something to stand on and something to stand for. You know, it's so important that we have something to, to stand for, you know, in, in our lives. Something to fight for and stand for. Well, you can stand on this and, and stand for it. And it's something to believe. It's something to obey. And then once you have it in your lives, it's something to defend and something to confirm. Amen. And most importantly, what he said toward the, uh, in that, verse, that second verse that he read in verse 2 it's something that saves us and puts us in right standing with God when we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what's re- what it's really all about. Being in right standing with God is really the crux of the matter. Why is this church here? To get as many people as we can to get in right standing with God. You get them, we get in right standing with God, and then you know uh, the next day comes, and then we, we try to do our best to stay in good standing with God, right? And when it's not all about our works and, you know, it's about his righteousness, his blood and his name and so forth. Um, so that's, that's what it's all about, being in right standing with God. So, uh, the, you know, when, when we think of, of uh, burial, you know, burial always follows death, right? We, we don't bury live people. It's just not a good practice. You have to wait for you know, like no, no pulse for a long time. You know, put the spoon up. You know, there's no like steam coming on the spoon from the breath. You know, it, then then they qualify to be buried, uh, and so death represents repentance. When we when we because each of these things, death, burial, and resurrection, represent something. For, uh, in a spiritual sense, for us to do to get us in right standing. Death represents repentance. And before we're buried, we must repent because we have to die before we're buried spiritually. Amen. And so to repent, and, and I know some of this is uh, basic stuff. Some of it is uh, that, you know, we, we know some of this already, but just wanted to kind of go through this again since uh, we had a baptism last week. We're having a baptism this morning. And uh, we're, we're going to have another baptism in a couple weeks. Amen. And so it's good that, okay, well, what are we doing up here, you know? And, uh, you know, what's it all about? And so it's good to, good to know. Amen. So to repent means to have a change of heart, a change of direction in your life, and to ask God to forgive you for past sins. That, that's really kind of what encompasses repentance. And once we do that, and, and we mean it from our heart, then we are candidates to be buried. We're ready to, to bury. We, we, we acknowledge our, our old ways weren't cutting it. We ask God to forgive us. And then we say, okay, I want to be buried. And I want to come out of that, that burial, that grave in a resurrection status and, and walk in newness of life, you know, in, in a newer life in a different, different direction than I was going before. So, when we're buried, we're buried in you know, uh, a watery grave, okay? 
Now, Jesus was buried in, back in those days. They, they didn't really even put people in the ground necessarily. They, they put them in like cave kind of, uh, you know, if you, if you were, had enough money uh, to afford a, a nicer tomb, they would have these like cave tombs that would, you know, put a big stone over it. Because remember, he, didn't, he wasn't buried in his own tomb, right? Jesus was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, who loaned it to him and said, hey, you can have it. He didn't really loan it to him. He said, you can have it. But he kind of really loaned it to him because Jesus said, hey, in 72 hours, I'm out of here. So, hey, Joseph, you're going to have this back and no problem. But I'm sure he didn't have it back because people are still going to the tomb of Jesus every time he visit Israel. It's still a big place to go see. Amen. So we're buried in a watery grave. Okay? So burial, so if, if, if uh, death uh, represents repentance, then burial represents baptism. Amen. And that's, that's important. So uh, what, is, what is baptism? What does baptism mean in the Bible? Well, literally, in the Greek, it means to be Whelmed, you know, like we we have get the word overwhelmed. When you're overwhelmed, you feel like like you're just like waves of whatever trouble and problems are overwhelming you, right? You're like covered kind of with situations. So the word whelmed, uh, it literally in this, it means to be in in this context fully wet, to cover wholly and completely with fluid, and to dip. Okay, so. When we bury people, typically, when you go to the gravesite or whatever, they dig a six-foot hole, right? You get this big old backhoe, and they dug the hole, and then you go and have the ceremony, and then if you stay long enough, sometimes they'll let you see the casket going. They crank it down, and it like goes down in the ground, and they'll let you watch even it being, uh, you know, being buried. But, you know, uh, a, a literal burial is six feet under the soil out of sight, and when people are buried in baptism, they're completely submerged in water, a watery grave, so that every part of them is fully wet and covered completely. So that's, that's, the, that's the definition of the word baptism. So, so a ceremonial sprinkling, uh, as some have done or whatever, or you might have heard of that, where you know, they just take a little water and like sprinkle or whatever, that's not a biblical concept. That's not really what the word baptism means at all. Um, it is, you know, we don't, when we bury somebody, we don't like not dig the hole and we just lay their body on top of the grass. All right, give me some dirt clods and just like throw them on there. You know what I mean? That's kind of like the same analogy. So the Bible teaches no other method of baptism other than being completely, you know, overwhelmed with water, you know, to, or be under, under the water in a watery grave. Read Matthew chapter three. Verse 13 and then verse 16. Amen. So when Jesus was baptized, remember his older cousin John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And he was baptized in the Jordan River. Okay, so, you know, a river is going to have a decent amount of water. And uh, so it, it says that, uh, you know, he came and when he was baptized, he went straightway out of the water and then the heavens were open, and the Spirit came down like a dove, and a voice spoke, if you keep reading. Uh, and so the, the point is, Jesus went down in the water, and he came up out of the water. And so that's what baptism is. It's a dipping. You know, it's a completely, 
Whether, whether you go like head first or go backwards, whatever, you're going down in the water. Amen. Read John 3, 23. Amen. So then John the Baptist was also baptizing in this uh, place called Anan near to Salem. Because if you look, look into that, they had some, uh, some nice springs of water that had some, uh, some good uh, depth to them. He was baptizing because there was much water there. So the emphasis is on much water. It's important that we understand that. And then read Acts 8, 38 and 39. Amen. So, Phil, uh, so this, this Ethiopian eunuch was out in the, kind of out in the desert boonies. And uh, God, you know, brought Philip, this evangelist, from this revival in Samaria. And he left and he, and he said, hey, I, I feel like he, you know, he, he felt to leave and go to this place because this eunuch needed someone to explain something to him about baptism. And obviously he talked to him about baptism. He talked to him, whatever, and they're going along in the chariot. And then all of a sudden he said, hey, there's water. You know, what, what hinders me to be baptized? Hey, as long as you believe, you can. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He goes, okay, let's go. And they went both down into the water, and they both came up out of the water. All right? So it is a submersion thing. It just It's a burial. So that's, that's very important. And, you know, baptism is not just a religious sacrament or a ceremonial exercise either. That is something that, you know, is kind of like, well, it's just a nice thing to show that, you know, what, what's already happened in your heart or whatever. Uh, that's not exactly what it's about. There's a lot more to it. It's more than ceremonial because it, it does show what happens in your heart because, remember, repentance has to come first. We ask God to forgive us. We're going in a different direction than we used to go. But um, it's much more than a ceremony because a ceremony is not necessarily something that's essential. Like, you know, a ceremonial thing, well, you mean, uh, you know, do I have to do it? If I don't do it, is God going to be, you know, whatever, this and that or whatever? But this is much more important than a ceremonial thing. And how, so how we do it is very important. So not just the type of water and how much water, but also what is spoken and all those kind of things. But uh, let's talk about the importance of baptism and the essentiality of it. Because it is part of the gospel. And remember, the gospel saves us. So um, the gospel is not optional equipment. Amen. So read John 3, verse 3, and then skip to verse 5. So we must be born again to see the kingdom of God. We must be born again of water and spirit to enter into the kingdom of God. Of course, the kingdom of God, that reference is, is mostly referring to it, where we are right now, is referring to the church. It's referring to God's church on the earth, because we got to get in his body before we ever step foot in heaven, right? So... That's the kingdom of God that's on this earth right now. And he said, for us to really see it and understand it better, for us to enter into it and be a part of it, we must be born again of water and spirit. And, of course, the the new birth of the water is water baptism. So he said must be. So it's not not something that, you know, well, you can if you want or whatever. Uh, This one's a pretty powerful verse. Read Mark 16, verse 16. All right, so he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So when the word saved is connected with something, we, we need to perk up our ears and say, okay, that, that's important. Because saved is what we want to be. We want to be saved, which means we want to be ready to go uh, to, you know, be ready to meet our maker 
anytime. And then read 1 Peter 3.21. I love this verse. Okay. So this was talking about Noah's Ark. Because, you know, there's a lot of, though the word baptism is not mentioned in the Old Testament, there's a lot of um, symbolism in the Old Testament that points to baptism. And Noah's Ark is one of them. Uh, because it's, it's uh, if you look at the verse above, it said, eight souls were saved by water, right? I mean, when you think about it, it was Noah, his wife, three sons and their wives, and all the animals, but eight souls, eight people, were saved by water uh, because they were able to, and that, that was the analogy. And he says the like figure, or this is, was a figurative thing, speaking of baptism in the New Testament, but notice, baptism does also now save us. Not a ceremonial washing to cleanse the outside of the body, like taking a bath or shower or whatever. It says not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, So baptism affects our conscience, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about dealing with our conscience, our heart, our spirit. Amen. So we've established the correct biblical method of baptism, uh, which is being completely immersed and submerged in water. Now we need to establish what the Bible says should be spoken or invoked over us when we're baptized. That is equally important, even more important. Amen. Because you could have all the water you want and be like, like a grave, and then somebody, want, if somebody baptized you in the name of Captain Kangaroo, and it's not going to work. You know, you might as well just, hey, hand me the soap and the shampoo because while I'm in here, I might as well, you know, get something out of it because there's no, there's no spiritual significance going to happen because what is spoken over you is vital to that baptism being successful. Amen. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with a verse. Of course, I'm going to get to all the ones that we normally talk about when we talk about um, what's spoken over, but... I'm going to start with a verse in the book of James that's, that you know, most not uh, generally associate with baptism. James chapter 2, verse 7. Read that one. All right, so you say, well, what, what are you bringing that up? Do not we baptize, blaspheme the worthy name by which you are called? And what he's talking about, if you read up in those couple verses above, it was talking about that, that, uh, that there was sometimes the rich people in the world can treat people that don't have as much kind of like look down their nose at people so to speak and he was saying he was saying to to, uh to the the people he was writing to in james he said hey you know be nice to the poor people and be nice to those that are less fortunate aren't the isn't it the rich that to take advantage of people sometimes he said and isn't there isn't the rich that to take you to you know, take you to court and do this and do that because they don't like what you do and they got all this money and they know everybody and all this kind of stuff. He said, don't they, aren't they the ones that blaspheme the worthy name by which you are called? And uh, you, say, you might say, well, still, what do you, how, how does this have to do with baptism? Okay, by which you are called is very significant. Uh, let me read this in the Christian Standard Bible. It says, don't they blaspheme the good name that was invoked over you? Ah, okay, that's, that's interesting. And then let me read a little passage, passage out of a commentary. It's a, um, one of the, com- you know, like uh, there's Clark commentary, there's 
Matthew Henry commentary, and this one is Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown commentary. They say this, say this concerning this verse, by which you are called is also which was invoked or called upon you so that at your baptism into the name of Christ, you became Christ's people. Can you imagine getting all that out of that verse? That was awesome. Amen. So James is speaking of that worthy name that was called over us in baptism. And the only name he could be referring to is Jesus. Amen. The singular name called over us in baptism. And notice our two text verses both tell us that we are buried with him in baptism. We're not buried with them in baptism. Amen. And so there's no need and no reason for anybody to be baptized with this being invoked, this phrase being invoked over them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. There's no reason for that to be invoked over it because that is not the name of the one that died for you. That's not the name of the one that was buried for you. That's not the name of the one that rose for you. We're buried with Him in baptism. Amen. Amen. And those are not names anyway. Let's get down to the brass tacks. Those are titles of relationship. Right? Like, for example, I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a husband. But if I sign my check and give it to somebody, they're going to go, you know, I might as well put Captain Kangaroo on my check. Because father, son, and husband is not my legal name, and that's not the name that's at the bank, and so that check is going to bounce higher than a Super Bowl. Amen? Because that's not my name. See, let's look at the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, okay? What's the name of the Son? Anybody? Okay, that was the hard one, right? Okay, that was really hard. The name of the Son is Jesus. All right, that's good. But did you know the name of the Father, the name that represents the Father is Jesus? Remember last week we talked about is Jesus in the Godhead or is the Godhead in Jesus? And we touched on this a little bit. We went into depth of the name of Jesus a little bit. But remember, the name of the Father is really Jesus as well. Amen. So read John 5, 43. She said, I'm coming my Father's name. Amen. Now, my last name is Bradley because my dad's last name is Bradley. So I got my name by inheritance, so to speak, right? It's passed down. Read Hebrews 1.4. So he, by inheritance, Jesus, obtained a more excellent name than the angels by inheritance. So see, it's coming together. And now remember, the angel Gabriel appeared both to to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 and to Mary in Luke chapter 1 and talking about what they should name that baby. They didn't pick it out of a book. They said, this, just like John the Baptist, his name was told to his dad, you're going to name him John. Even though nobody in their family was named John. And it wasn't typical back then to name somebody that you didn't know. It wasn't a, a typical name of the family. But same with this. He, sa he said, name him Jesus because his name is who he is. His name is what he's going to be. His name is what is, you know, from, from God. So, the, so God told the angels to name him Jesus. Amen. And last week, we established that Jesus literally means Jehovah Savior, which means the Old Testament God, 
who was referred to Jehovah or the Father, became a man so that he could be the Savior. And that's why the name of the Father is Jesus too. Now what about the name of the Holy Ghost? The name of the Holy Ghost, it, that really the Holy Ghost has never you know, had a name associated with it so much other than this verse, which kind of goes along with proving my point as well. Read John 14, 26. Amen. So the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, which is Jesus. So the Holy Ghost comes in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the name of the Son, obviously. And we've established that, you know, that the name of the Father is... So the name that represents Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, that one name, he had one name that represents all three of those offices and manifestations of God, is Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the one who died. He's the one that was buried. He's the one that resurrected. The only proper name to be baptized in is Jesus. Jesus is the greatest name. It's the highest name that can be named anywhere also. And uh, look at these verses here. Read Acts 4, verse 12. Amen. Now, didn't we just read that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved? So, there's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's got to be the name of Jesus. Amen. Because he said it right here. There's no salvation in any other. He was talking about the name. Because in, if you look at the context, they were called on the carpet in Acts chapter 4 for healing that lame man at the gate beautiful in chapter 3. And they, and they, they were instructed by the Jewish leadership... Okay, we're going to let you guys go with a warning this time, but you are not to preach in that name anymore and do any more miracles. You're making us look bad, is really what they were saying. Because we have a dead, boring religion over here, and nobody's getting saved, and nobody's getting blessed and helped and healed, and you guys are, you know, taking on for, carrying on what Jesus did, and it's taking off like a rocket. He said, don't preach in that name anymore. He said, hey... We must obey God rather than men, and because neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other name under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Amen. And what about Philippians 2.9? I love this one. Amen. God highly exalted. Give him the name which is above every name. That means the name of Jesus is above Father. That means the name of Jesus is above Son. The name of Jesus is above Holy Ghost. It's above every other name. Amen. So when you say the name of Jesus, you say, not only say Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, you say every other of the probably almost 2,000 titles of God and and Jesus in the Bible that, you know, King of Kings and Lord of Lords and Lion of the tribe of Judah and Bright and Morning Star and Chiefest of 10,000 and First and Last and Beginning and End, the Almighty and every, you know, the, the, uh, the rock of ages and whatever, you just, you know, talk about every, every descriptive, you know, uh, Adonai and El, El Shaddai and God Almighty and all these other descriptive titles of Him in the Bible can all be under the umbrella of Jesus' name. So what is baptism for? And I'll open it up if anybody wants to take a crack at it or whatever. You know, um, what, what is baptism? What, what, what's it for? What's the purpose? Okay. To become, yeah, because remember we read the, the commentary said we, we baptize in, in the name of Christ to be part of God's people, right? So, okay, it's so born into the family. That's good. Anybody else? Okay, so it's a visible thing. That's good to show as a witness. Wash away your sins. Okay, good. 
Make a choice. Born again. Okay, good. Those are all good. Yeah, and to identify with his burial, yes. Be born again of the water, yes. As a, a testimony, yes. Be part of his people, yes. Amen. But Acts 2.38, and I think it was already, somebody already said it. The remission, who said, the, wash away your sins, the remission of sins, whatever. Um, that's honing in on the, there's several purposes but that's the, one of the significant ones because for us to be in right standing with God, sins must be washed away and, and out of our lives. So read Acts 2.38. So we're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's one of the main reasons. Amen. The, the main purpose is for the remission of sins. Now the word remission and the word forgiveness are really the same Greek word. If you if you look at the word in the New Testament, if you look up the Greek word for you know that's used when remission is there in English, and then go to the word forgiveness and you, and look at the same Greek word, it's the same word. So forgiveness is remission, and remission is forgiveness. Amen. That's that's key uh, to understanding the importance of what we're doing. Amen. So because repentance is our responsibility, right? I have to, you know, God, God's not going to make me die out to my old ways or whatever. That, you know, of course, you know, we preach, we study, we tell people, we, we show them, we tell them the story about God becoming a man and then, you know, touches people's hearts and all that kind of stuff. That's important. But ultimately, you know, we can't make anybody repent, right? You can just, you can, you know, you can lead, like they say, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink, Right. And you can say, hey, you know, this is this. And you can tell them all that stuff. And then, okay, it's up to you now. Let's, it's repent time or whatever. That's our responsibility. And remission and forgiveness of sins is God's responsibility. Amen. Because God, you know, I mean, I can forgive you and you can forgive me, but only God can forgive us of our sins that we have done against, you know, him and whatever. Amen. And so that's important. Now, I've got to ask you know, hey, I need, I need someone to baptize me here. Somebody needs to baptize me. That's, I, I got to do that. But God's the one that does the forgiveness. God's the one that does the washing away. Amen. Read Acts chapter 10, verse 43, and then 47 and 48. All right, so all the prophets gave witness that through his name, Jesus, whoever believes shall receive remission of sins. Through his name. Okay, so that's what, why we use the name of Jesus. And, you know, and then in this same context, they, you know, Peter was called over to this Cornelius house and he preached and they received the Holy Ghost in, in a powerful um, you know, service that was in the living room of Cornelius. You know, and they didn't even call the altar call. They didn't even finish up. He was in the middle of preaching and God just fell on him and, and baptized him all with the Holy Ghost. And then he said, he goes, hey, whether you get the Holy Ghost first or get baptized first or whatever, you still got to get baptized. You know, just because you got the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you you're not supposed to get. Because remember, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. You got to have all three of those components, amen, in your life to, 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 to obey it. And so he said, once they receive the Holy Ghost, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, that, that receive the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Okay? So the name of Jesus. Read Acts 22, verse 16. Amen. So we're baptized 
And when we call on the name of the Lord, our sins are washed away in baptism. Amen. Because you see, we're going down in ordinary water. You know, and I've seen people baptize in all different places. People baptize in rivers. People baptize in bathtubs. You know, of course, sometimes you've got to like squeeze them down in there. A bathtub's not the biggest thing, right? It's like, okay, we're going down and it's going to be messy in here. Um, baptize in swimming pools. Baptize in the ocean. Uh, my, brother, my brother, I was over at his house yesterday and they were having a thing today actually where they were going to take some people over and they were going to baptize them in the ocean because they didn't have a, bap- a nice baptismal tank like we have. And I said, well, you should just get a horse trough or something because that's easy, portable. Just get a horse trough and put it in the backyard, <laughs> fill it up. But that's kind of rough. But uh, I've, I've known churches with horse troughs, whatever it takes, you know. Um, but ordinary water, whether there's water with chlorine in it in a pool, whether it's river water that's kind of like, you know, greenish, whatever, whether it's ocean water, it's salt water, no matter what the water, when you say the name of Jesus, when you invoke and call that worthy name that we're called uh, in baptism, when you call the name of Jesus over someone in baptism, the blood of Jesus comes, and it's what does the forgiving. It's what does the remitting. Amen. The blood comes and washes away. And it comes in the name of Jesus. The blood's applied in the name of Jesus. And that's why it's so important that we get the right thing said over us. Amen. I don't care if you say, in the name of the Almighty, beginning and ending, Alpha and Omega, you know, Blessed and only potentate God, I baptize him. Man, that sounded good, but don't put, you put the name of Jesus in there. Amen. You say all that other stuff is fine, but get Jesus in there. Yes. Amen. Our last verse, Colossians 1, 14. So it's through his blood the forgiveness of sins come. Amen. And his name activates his blood and turns ordinary water into a watery grave that... You know, you walk out of there and you rise to walk in newness of life. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I'm going to give just some scripture references as I'm coming to a close. Uh, we're not going to read them. We, we've read a couple of them, but I just want to reference them again. But the book of Acts, it's the fifth book of the New Testament. It's the only history book of the New Testament. Uh, of actually the church beginning and then its early days. Uh, and, you know, we're introduced to the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts and so forth because he wasn't one of the original 12. And, and uh, you know, it gives us actual accounts of people being baptized and also people being told to be baptized and so forth. And everybody was always baptized in the name of the Lord, in the name of Jesus in the book of Acts. Praise God. So that's important to understand. Everywhere it's mentioned in the book of Acts, we, we even see it all the way over to, to James chapter 2, that it really means to be the name of Jesus to be called over us in baptism. But for those that are taking notes, just the references, we already mentioned Acts 2.38, it says to do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Acts 8.16, it says in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 10.48, we read that. In the name of the Lord. Acts 19.5, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we read Acts 22.16, in the name of the Lord. 
Amen. So whether it's Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus, Lord, Lord Jesus, Lord, we know that all of those are Jesus. Amen. So we're, we're going to be buried with him. Amen. So, so today, Melanie is going to be buried with him. And who knows if anybody else wants to. Because, you know, I always open it up. So, yeah, yeah, thanks, Linda. Yeah, we have plenty of gowns, too, and plenty of towels. There's no problem. Amen. So, praise God. So, it's important that we understand why we're doing it and, you know, what the Scripture says. Uh, because there has been confusion and uh, other things. So, it's good. I, I don't want to hear what someone else has to say, necessarily, and if it doesn't jive with the Bible, I want to say, okay, what does the Bible say we've got to do it? I mean, that's where it's all. Because I know there's been a million books written about the Bible since the Bible came out. Amen. And a lot of theologians and a lot of smarter people than I have, have whatever dreamed to be have written books or whatever. But you know what? I, I, sometimes you need to go all the way back to the Bible and say, well, you know, we look at the Bible and then we look at, you know, all this other stuff. It's like, yeah, all this other stuff's fine, but it doesn't take, uh, you know, it, it doesn't trump the Bible. The Bible is the final authority. So I hope your stuff is matching up with the Bible because the Bible is what we, you know, you, you were writing about to begin with. So you got to be biblically accurate. Amen. So thank God we're buried with him. Amen. But like he didn't stay in the grave, we're not staying in the grave. We get out of there and we get a new life and a, a clean heart and a, amen, a, a better day for us. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast and may God bless you.